not about the ordinary. We've got enough of that. It's about the extraordinary. And we need more. Hi there, I'm Jared Penner, and welcome to the Extraordinary Leaders Podcast, where we spend time with recognised leaders and global experts exploring the art and science of remarkable leadership. Well, hello and welcome to the Extraordinary Leaders Podcast. My name's Jared Penner. I'm the CEO and founder of Extraordinary Leaders. This is a podcast which is dedicated to lifting the bar on leadership, helping you examine and understand what it might take for you and for others to step up above the ordinary towards something more remarkable, because our world certainly needs it. This is only our second episode of the Extraordinary Leaders podcast, so there hasn't really been enough of an opportunity for you to identify the rhythm that we're going to be falling into, with a new podcast being released every fortnight. And we're going to alternate with guests talking about extraordinary leadership or a particular topic, and then The next episode will be a deep dive, which I'll take you on, of a specific topic related to the exercise of leadership. And so, given that our last episode was our conversation with the irrepressible Paul Taylor, this time I'm going to spend some one-on-one time with you exploring a topic which is dear to my heart, one in which I've been curious about for a, a long period of time now, and one in which I believe to be inexorably inextricably connected to the exercise of extraordinary leadership. So what's the topic? Well, it's mindfulness and awareness, and it's going to be a great episode. My exploration of mindfulness began over 25 years ago when I realised that I'd not seen a sunset or a sunrise for quite some time. I'd been working in a role that had been quite demanding in a profession that was there were long hours. Um, we were expected to sort of put in a hell of a lot of work um, to make the contribution that we needed to make. And one evening as I was coming home and it was dark and I saw the last vestiges of a, of a sunset on the horizon down the end of a street and I realised that I'd not seen a sunset for quite some time and then I realised I'd not seen a sunrise for quite some time. And it was a moment in which I started to wonder to what extent I was living a life that was somewhat artificial, somewhat disconnected from the natural rhythm, somewhat unbalanced. And this began a personal investigation that was a response to the dissatisfaction that I was experiencing with the way I was experiencing life in the fast lane. Um, And it was through meditation that I became familiar with mindfulness I then noticed its application in leadership. I studied it here and in the United States, both the practice and the science of it, and attended multiple mindfulness retreats. And I teach it now as part of our leadership programs. Um, We've been doing so for over 15 years, just as Google have more recently, and also BlackRock, who are the world's largest asset manager. I strive to be mindful every day, I don't always succeed, and I meditate daily to build that muscle. Sometimes I'm mindful, other times I'm not. I'd like to think, though, that I'm getting better at noticing. My approach is the one that I'm using today um, in this episode, and that is that people need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. 
So it's quite possible that you've heard or read or come across or even practiced some aspects of mindfulness, in which case my job's not to instruct you or necessarily teach you. But I think I can be most helpful if I remind you of what it is and why it's important. What is mindfulness? Technically, I think about mindfulness as managing our metacognition. So what's metacognition? It's our thinking about our thinking. So it's our ability to get up on the balcony and observe our thinking and being aware of our thinking. And so mindfulness is about managing that awareness. It's about developing that awareness. It's about being conscious in the moment of the thinking that we're doing and when it's helpful and potentially when it's unhelpful. So I find the two terms, in my mind, somewhat interchangeable. Mindfulness and awareness of what your mind is doing, where your attention is being directed. The way I think about mindfulness is about gives us the opportunity to make choices, to direct our thinking and our awareness in more helpful ways. To understand mindfulness, we need to make a key distinction. And that's about noticing which of the two ways of thinking we are experiencing in any given moment. Whether we are narrating the experience we're having or we're directly having the experience. So narrating the experience is when we're having an experience and we're overlaying thinking on the top of it. We're overlaying a narrative over the top of it. So for example, I might walk outside my front door and the sun shines on my face and the wind blows gently across my hair. And I start thinking, it's a beautiful day. I do remember that the weather forecast was going to be quite good. However, at about three o'clock this afternoon, it's going to start raining. So I need to make sure that I've got my umbrella. That's different from having the direct experience. When I walk outside my front door, I feel the sun on my face and the wind ruffle my hair and I just have the experience. There's no overlay of conversation in my mind over the top of it. There's no thinking about what are the implications for the future of that experience or even what may have happened in the past from that experience. I'm not thinking, oh, yesterday was much colder, so I'm just there in the moment having the experience directly. So narrating the experience may include thinking about this experience and its relationship to the past. So what we're really doing is thinking about the past. We're thinking about this experience and its relationship to the future and therefore we're really thinking about the future rather than just directly experiencing that in the moment, in the present. What we have to remember is that we think about the past and the future, we have no control over either of those two things. You can't change the past and you sure can't control the future. I think COVID has taught us that. The only thing in which we have any direct control over is the present moment. All of the action is in the present moment. And so if you want to have better relationships or have a bigger effect on an outcome, or make a take a better action, or behave more effectively in a given moment. These are all things that leaders should be thinking about. Mindfulness is especially helpful for knowing that when for realizing when you are no longer 
in the present moment when you're caught up somewhere else. And this is where we start to draw the clear relationship between the exercise of mindfulness and more effective leadership. First, leadership is about influencing. Look at all the meta-analysis of all of the studies that have ever been done about leadership. The consensus in defining leadership is that it is about influencing people. It's very difficult to influence people when you are not with them in the present moment. And that's because you're either not paying attention to the sorts of signals or the information or the perspectives or the feelings or the views or the sort of the behavioural data that they're projecting outwards, which is telling you a lot about what's going on in their minds and what's going on in terms of their reactions to things. So if you don't have access to that information in the moment because you're present, you will struggle to influence them effectively. You'll also struggle to influence them effectively because they will realise you're not in the present moment. I mean, we've all had that experience of dealing with someone and clearly they're not paying attention to us, even though they may be looking in our general direction and supposedly are there for a conversation with us, that their mind is instead somewhere else. It's caught up in their own thinking about their views about things or they're distracted by something else. They're not really there with us. And that leaves us feeling neglected. It leaves us feeling wanting it leaves us feeling like we don't matter. And that's hardly likely to result in us being willing to support that leader, engage with that leader, trust that leader, and follow that leader. The second reason I think that mindfulness really matters to a leader is perhaps more to do with the management part of our roles. And that is where we manage things. So that involves analysis and judgment and decision-making and planning and organising Those activities require good quality data. That data comes in in the moment from other people or from various sources, our environment. If we're not present in the moment, we miss that data. We miss those signals. We're not paying attention to the sorts of information that may help us avoid a crisis, pick up something that might be quite important to a decision that we need to make, understand the nuance of something which is happening in the moment that might in fact be particularly relevant to our success with any given issue. So mindfulness matters not just because it allows us to be more effective at engaging and influencing people, but it also allows us to be more effective in managing things. And then the third, and perhaps in this moment in history, in the middle of a COVID pandemic, and given the amount of pressure, emotional and psychological stress that a lot of leaders are experiencing at the moment, is that mindfulness helps us manage stress. And it does it in a couple of ways. Firstly, all stress emanates from a sense that we should be somewhere other than where we are right now. That is, we should have achieved something that we haven't yet achieved or we should be doing something that we're not currently doing. And that feeling or that thought that I should be somewhere other than where I am right now generates stress inside of myself. It stops me from being present in the moment which creates all of the limitations that we've already been speaking about. It also causes a stress response within my body, which if I experience in a sustained way over time, is going to be detrimental to my cognitive function. I won't think as clearly. It'll be detrimental to my emotional regulation, which means I won't be able to control my emotions as well. They will get in the way of more effective decision-making. And then importantly, It creates internal physiological conditions which can lead to not just short-term health issues such as headache, irritability, inability to sleep, skin disorders, 
you can name it, there's a whole host of things which can come out from short-term effects of stress, but then the long-term effects of stress can be quite significantly negative for individuals. You know, we're talking about onset of particular chronic disorders and potential contribution to conditions which can lead to early fatality. So we die younger and we live those parts of our lives that we have left with poorer quality of life. And so there is no question in my mind that the quality of our leadership and the experience that we have whilst leading can be significantly improved by being mindful. So how do you implement mindfulness? How do you develop the capacity to start to notice when you are in the present moment and when you are not? That your attention and your awareness is here, right now. Because that's what mindfulness actually is. To notice when you're not in the present moment and remember to come back to it. In fact, the Sanskrit word for mindfulness means literally that. To remember. So mindfulness is developing the capacity to notice when we are not in the present moment, to notice when our thoughts are distracted, and to remember to come back to the present moment. So mindfulness meditations are often training exercises. We're training ourselves to be able to pay attention in the present moment. More importantly, we're, pay- we're training ourselves to recognize the moment where we're not in the present moment. So implementing mindfulness can be just through simple daily activities right through to more disciplined practice through meditation. So what are some of those simple activities? It might be just simply noticing in the moment a taste or a smell or a touch or the space around you or a sound that you're hearing. Right now, where are your hands? What are they touching? What does that feel like? What's the sensation on the tips of your fingers? Notice the sensation. Focus on that sensation. That's mindfulness. In the present moment. Or watch watch a sunset unfold. Maybe listen for bird noises. Smell a glass of wine. Do anything that brings you completely into the moment. It's helpful, though, to habitualize mindfulness, to develop habits, to create space for mindfulness. So having a calendar which is completely full and having activities back-to-back is not great for mindfulness. Allowing micro-spaces, minutes here, minutes there, even seconds between activities to notice, to take a breath to notice the space around you, to hear, to see, to smell, to just be. Even rituals can be helpful. For example, with motorbike riding, which is an activity I know has a certain amount of risk to it, I need to be completely aware. If I'm not paying attention to what's going on around me, I'm increasing the probabilities that I'll become a statistic So what I do every time I get on the motorbike, every time I sit on the motorbike just before a ride or just before I'm about to finish a break and go off on another section of my ride, is to stop and just to notice what I'm doing, to take five seconds to not operate any equipment, not turn any switches, not turn the handlebars, not move the throttle, to just sit 
stop, notice. You can also set reminders. So for example, there's an Apple Watch. Often it can be set with reminders just to breathe. Breathing is a terrific way of developing mindfulness. And it's helpful not just for being mindful, but it's very useful for developing mindfulness and and developing the capacity to remember. So here's how it works. When you do a mindfulness meditation that involves your breathing, you're effectively focusing on your breath. So if you're guided to do that, if you're already doing it, you'll know that often you'll close your eyes. And the point of that is to reduce the distractions around you. You'll sit comfortably somewhere so that you're able to not be distracted by thoughts of I'm in an uncomfortable position or I'm feeling pain in my legs or something like that. And in closing your eyes, sitting comfortably, you then draw a deep breath in and then exhale that breath. And you're doing that through your nose. And what you're identifying are some anchors. You're trying to find a sensation that you can focus your attention on. So it might be the feeling of the breath going out of the end of your nose, tip of your nose, or when it's being drawn back into your nose. Or it might be the sensation of your chest moving out or your chest contracting. Or my favourite is just allowing your belly to flop out when your diaphragm expands your lungs as it does for a baby and then allowing that to come back in. They're all strong physical sensations. If I'm focusing my attention on those sensations, I'm focusing on a part of my breath, an aspect of my breath, and my breathing is about as close as I can get to the present moment. It's an anchor in the present. And I know that if I'm focusing on my breath, that my mind will wander. I'll not be able to focus on that sensation for a long time. Some some days I can't focus for more than a few seconds before my mind go, wanders to a thought associated with breathing, but it's not really about my breathing. And then my mind wanders to another thought and another thought and another thought. Important thing at that point, when you notice that your mind has wandered, because you will notice eventually and that you're no longer focused on your breath, is to be compassionate with yourself. Your brain is doing simply what it does to keep you safe. It's looking out for you. It's making plans, it's analysing things, it's paying attention to other stuff. But in that moment, that's not what you want it to do. So say thank you brain and come back to the present moment. What you're developing every time you do that, every time you notice you're no longer focused in the present moment, is you're developing the ability to become aware. To be aware of where your mind is. And that gives you a choice. You can make a choice to bring it back to the present moment, which might be a better place for you to be right then and there. So don't be disappointed if you don't achieve a Zen-like state whilst you're engaged in a mindfulness meditation. Perhaps the best thing that you can do, the best way that you can complement your meditation is add acceptance. Acceptance that you're having the meditation that you're having. Don't fight it. Don't judge it. Just accept it and bring your attention back to the present moment. And another common question that I get from clients is, well, how often should I practice? How often should I do this? 
Well, I think if you want to learn and develop and maintain the capacity to be to be mindful, doing it daily is pretty important. Developing a habit, developing a routine, finding a point in the day which works for you. Some people that's first thing in the morning. That doesn't work for me very well. I wake groggy. I always have. It's obviously a function of my physiology. I'm not feeling particularly alert when I wake and it takes a while for my mind and my brain and my body to activate. The best time for me is often in the evenings before I go to bed. I take some time. That might be a 10-minute meditation. It might be a 20-minute meditation. Or if you're just getting started, just a simple five-minute meditation in which I sit quietly in a comfortable position close my eyes, focus on my breath. I take a big breath in through my nose and then I exhale and I do that a couple of times to find that physical anchor and then I allow my breath to settle. I use a Apple Watch, which I put the timer on, but I have it on vibration, not as a, as a loud sound. I don't really feel like being jarred back into, into awareness of my external environment. That's a small, gentle vibration on my wrist I find is a little bit more pleasant. I'm not always successful at meditating every day, but I can tell you that when I don't meditate, and particularly when I start to get busy with work and with life, that I do start to notice my mind becomes more distracted. My monkey mind becomes louder, it's more insistent and it chatters more. And they're the moments when I need to be particularly careful to reinstitute my mindfulness practice something that I find helps me reinstitute balance and awareness in my thinking and in my being. There's also plenty of great resources out there. The Calm app, which you can find at any of the app stores, is great for introducing different meditations or awareness activities. There's also the Headspace Guide to Meditation and Mindfulness by Andy Puttycomb and John Kabat-Zinn, who I consider the grandfather of meditation and mindfulness in the Western context has a great book out called Wherever You Go, There You Are. And perhaps my favourite by Dawa Tarchin Phillips, who is both a Buddhist lama and a neuroscience researcher who I studied with. He has a book called Mind Your Business and this is particularly useful for leaders who want to understand what's the benefit and the application of mindfulness in the exercise of better leadership. So I hope that these resources and some of the ideas and information that we've provided in today's podcast has been helpful for you so that you can continue to develop your mindfulness and your attention and your awareness so that you can bring it to the present moment and more effectively exercise leadership. Also, don't forget that there's plenty of resources available at the Extraordinary Leaders website. So that's www.extraordinaryleaders.com.au. That's extraordinary without an E. It's just starts with an X. If you get on there, you'll be able to subscribe and that way you'll be able to receive all of the newsletters and the information and the exclusive research that we often distribute to our clients and our community. 
Also, don't forget that we've just released my new book, which is Extraordinary, The Art and Science of Remarkable Leadership. It's available through all good booksellers as well as online, so you can get it as an ebook version. In the book, I share a number of habits or techniques that extraordinary leaders use to be more effective and remarkable in their leadership. And many of those require mindfulness, they require awareness, and they require you to bring yourself into the present moment. So I highly recommend taking a look at those too. But for now, thanks for listening in to another Extraordinary Leaders podcast episode and we'll look forward to seeing you in a couple more weeks where we're introducing the topic of transformation, innovation and change and we're going to be talking to an absolute expert and recognised leader in this space who has the insider's view about what it really takes to transform teams, functions and organisations well. And also don't forget to subscribe if you'd like to be notified automatically of new episodes when they drop And then finally, I would really appreciate it if you could take the time to review and rate our podcast. Ratings and reviews help us reach more leaders and be more helpful to them, expanding and informing their view and developing skills and techniques that will allow them to be better leaders. But that's it for now for this episode. Lead well and see you next time. 